0: Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lurelei Weissel
1: I'm Chris Delano.
0: And that's it. We're all you're getting this week. <laughs> um, which is uh, a lot less than we had on our big fancy... Uh, 200th anniversary episode which was last week we did a mailbag it was a lot of fun people said we were funny which honestly is way better praise than saying oh thanks for educating us about magic lore i have my priorities and humor is the top one uh (laughs) I,
1: i mean as someone who really doesn't know anything about magic lore i'm only here to make things funny
0: Uh, well, that's good. This promises to be a good episode, then. Uh, we are, uh, in a, uh, much, uh, smaller arena of content today. Uh, we, we don't got a whole lot to talk about. Our, our main topic today is gonna be the Hidden Planeswalker number one, the first of a four-part side series that the Boom Studios comics, uh, are doing, um, but uh, before we get to that, uh, there's uh, a couple news items. The first is that the full uh, card galleries for Streets of Nuka Penna and Nuka Benna Commander are uh, up. And, and so all the cards in the set and all the fancy different versions of them are public uh, for y'all to see. We have all the stories published. The set's out. I hope y'all enjoy it. Uh, pre-release was this past weekend, and... Uh, they're doing a thing this time where uh the set comes out on paper before digital. So, uh for everyone who played this past weekend, I hope you did well and opened some cards you liked. And uh everyone else who didn't get a chance to play in uh in person either in a store or at home, uh new Penna pre-release will be happening on Magic Online and Magic the Gathering Arena this Thursday. And for folks who follow me on Twitter and enjoy the new, the the threads I do when new Planeswalkers hit Arena, I look forward to that on Thursday as well.
1: I am really looking forward to Ob Nixilis's script for Arena because I love Ob Nixilis and I'm interested in in how you wrote him, but I will get to see that on Thursday.
0: I also love Ob Nixilis and I have not written him in uh, about three, exactly three years actually. Because this is the the set came out in the same time slot as War of the Spark did, which is the last time I wrote him. I I love Op. He was ah I was glad to have him back. He's mean. He's a bully. Uh, he's fun to write. I like writing villains a lot. Um, yeah. So Nuka Penna. which
1: uh, yeah, the all the commander deck uh, deck lists are out too. So mm-hmm. if you're like me and you love your pre cons, you can go uh, figure out which ones you want to get. They seem sweet. I haven't taken a
0: close look at the full deck lists. Uh, I like the new cards. One of the things uh, this commander series does uh, this time around is have a lot of individual card designs with returning mechanics. We have a new cipher card in twenty twenty two, which is actually like kind of neat and not underpowered. And uh, there's just like a lot of one off mechanics on really neat card designs and uh in too deep is one of my favorites go check out that split second clue related card
1: i uh i am a big fan of precons i buy precons like that's the of all magic product the thing i buy most often is commander Mm precons at this point uh and so i'm excited about these and normally i only pick up like the precons i'm interested in so like with afr i only picked up prosper and sephiris and uh things of that sort I might have to get all five of these, Uh, not only because they are they all look really fun and interesting and have a very unique take on the playstyle for the colors that they're in. Like the Bant deck is about counters, which is really cool. It's a Spellslinger Grixis deck, but it's not just like the normal control Grixis deck. It's got a lot else going on. Um, I'm really interested in those, but also because the last time I picked up all five of uh, the precons that came out was for Ikoria. So I kind of have to balance my wedges with my shards, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> um, so I might have to pick those up this weekend. I, I mean, over the last... I might already have them by the time you're listening to this episode. Who
0: knows? Uh, yeah, I know I know a number of people who always pick up the pre-con commander decks when they come out in a series like this. Uh, and Because uh, they're tuned against each other and make for good, like multiplayer head-to-head experiences when you're all on the pre-cons, and, and so uh, a lot of folks like to play Commander that way, and I think that's neat. Um, but, uh, and, and we'll talk about Flavor Gems next week. Uh, we we are not finished with Penna quite yet, uh, so for folks who love the Flavor Gems, uh, stay tuned. Uh, the other big thing is that Command Fests are returning. These are the big uh, Commander-related Magic Fest-type convention events thingies um there's a bunch planned for this summer
1: yeah they're basically all june and july uh there are at least
0: the american ones there were there were a bunch planned globally i actually didn't look at the non-american ones they are that's just they are all june and july they
1: are still cool Mm -hmm. so uh there's i think seven of them in north america and uh a few in europe asia pacific and latin america each um they're uh they're pretty well focused on about one half of the country it feels like but um we'll see it seems like i think uh one two three four There, uh, four of the five in uh four of the seven are on the east coast uh with like one in indianapolis so um if you live in the very middle of the country oh, there you are you go. counting indianapolis <laughs> as an east coast one no, I'm saying that there's four East Coast ones and then there's one in Indianapolis.
0: Yeah, I would have fired you if you said Indy was uh
1: was East Coast. Uh you No, know, it exists in that nebulous space of the United States where there it's just kind of in the middle, you know. There's there's not really anything else around. It's just it's just kind of floating there.
0: Uh yeah, those are back and I'm very nervous about public big convention style public events. Um you know because hey we're still in the pandemic and you should still be like following local guidelines and everything but also numbers are going back up and you should mask when you're inside at all times and anytime for anything and ideally just not spend time indoors with lots of people in public spaces uh and uh yeah it's not great actually i think but uh you know we'll we'll see where things trend and uh If things are better by summer, um, cool, there's events.
1: Yeah, and one thing you can always do is just uh, plan a trip with your closest friends to go to a Command Fest and then just go to the Command Fest, pick up some swag, and then leave. uh, And go back to whatever hotel or uh, Airbnb or whatever you've rented and just hang out there for the weekend with your friends. That is also an option. You can just pop over with your mask on, grab some promos and head out. And Hey, if you need some stuff
0: to listen to on the car ride, do I know a podcast for you?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I'm really liking revolutions by Mike Duncan. Uh, I think that the, (laughs) just kidding. Um, yeah, you should listen to our podcast.
0: Uh, and with that, I think we're going to head into our main event again, hidden planeswalker. Number one, um, By um, Margaret Scott, uh, illustrated by Fabiana Mascolo, and uh, Ed Dukeshire is the colorist. Uh, This is uh, the first spinoff we've had from the Boom Studios Magic Comic, which is in its second arc. Uh, We are 13 issues in on the main series, right? That sounds Mm -hmm. right.
1: 13th issue came out this month? Yeah. uh, Uh, Technically, we did also have the Master of Metal one-shot that came off of it. But it wasn't really a spinoff. It was just one issue. No, that was a that was a one shot.
0: That's not a spinoff. That's just a one shot. That's just his own little thing.
1: Well, it's a one shot that spun off of the main comics. It's not so a it's spinoff. A- it's more of a skin tag. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think referring to Tezzeret as a skin tag is not that incorrect, despite him having very little skin compared. Oh, uh,
0: I think it. I think it's a good calling. Going up to Tezzeret and being like, you're the skin tag on the schemes of tyrants is a really good way to insult him because he would hate being referred to as skin as someone who aspires to be more and more metal. And uh, I'm always in favor of bullying Tezzeret. He sucks as a person. Just awful, wretched human. Um, but the Hidden Plains Walker follows Liliana Vess, uh, who if you... Uh, either read the main series comics or have been following our summaries of them on the podcast uh showed up in the finale of the first arc dealing with Merit Lage and was like hey out of nowhere it's Liliana Vass and I was a little like mm, kind of out of nowhere though but uh hey guess what hidden planeswalker 1 is going to help fill that out
1: um yeah. So the the comic starts up with Liliana Vess. Like the very first image you see is Liliana uh with what looks to just be like an army of zombies, uh, a little bit of a, a art deco take on Nicol Bolas behind her. It's it's incredible art. Uh and it's she she's sort of introducing herself and then it cuts to her teaching at Strixhaven. So one thing that we really didn't get a lot of uh, from, I think the Strixhaven story was really getting a feel for Liliana as a professor. And here we get to see her teaching, uh, how to reanimate a corpse. Um, it's very funny. It's, uh, she's associate professor of necromancy. Let's get that clear. She's just an associate professor. Uh, she's not, I believe that means you're not tenured yet. I might have that wrong. I mean, it's like, like you sort of work here i think she's tenure track but i don't think she's tenured yet she's like a noob <laughs> she's it she's
0: a- academia noob is the important thing um
1: but she's teaching about the alaran technique of uh, uh of raising some zombies and the students in her class for the most part aren't taking it very seriously uh, a couple of them are asking like can you get a zombie to do my homework or Uh, A zombie to do my laundry. And then we get a a little cut of Dina, who is there. Dina from uh, the the Strixhaven story, who is wanting everyone to take her very seriously. Take Liliana seriously, because this is, you know, an important lesson for her. And we know Dina really likes necromancy. Uh, But then there's another student who... um, really isn't taking things seriously and the student cracks a joke asking if uh if you make two zombies kill each other does that constitute murder or is it just quote funny recycling i love this question because this is the kind of stuff that i would say in this situation and it would get the teacher to hate me as well uh liliana points out that you know a corpse was at some point loved by someone and so you need to respect okay that.
0: hold on she goes through like a whole thing of Uh, Wow, can't believe this slacker is calling me naive. And she flashes back to, like, accidentally killing her brother, Josu, and dealing... I
1: was getting to that. Dealing
0: with Mm -hmm. uh, Kothafed and the other demons in a bid for power and working for Bolas. And then, like, realizing, like, her life matters because of Gideon. And then having to cope with everything and being at Strixhaven. And all her tattoos glow. And she's like, even a corpse was loved at some point.
1: No, she she says that even the corpse was loved at some point, just sort of trying to dismiss the student. And then the student responds to her saying that you sound like a bleeding heart academic. That the student says that the only real resource in life is power and the will to use it. And that Liliana wouldn't really understand that. Yeah, And that's what sets Liliana off. Yeah, Because if there's anyone... Anyone in the magic story who understands power and like war crimes. She is she is beyond that student's even assumptions. And though that's when Liliana goes into like these flashbacks of everything that she's done. Um, and there's like this wonderful, beautiful moment uh, in the flashback where we see Gideon with his hand on Liliana's shoulder, you know, right before he sacrifices himself, presumably. And she says, or she's thinking. Uh And I realized how hollow domination truly is, um and I think that 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 is like the real encapsulation of Liliana's like changing point as a character was that moment when Gideon sacrifices himself, and we've talked about this forever multiple times, but it's really? also because she realizes yeah um, <laughs> it's like the most important thing that happened to more of the spark. let's be honest uh and she's she realizes in that moment that you know power isn't about domination. And things of that sort, and that's, you know, encapsulated in the comic right there. Um, God,
0: I hate my brain, because <laughs> I my, my sarcastic comeback was, I thought the most important thing to happen was when Chandra pushed magic through her womb to destroy the immortal son. Oh, God.
1: Uh, uh, I just
0: took psychic damage. Yeah. Why did you do that to me? Look, I didn't write it in that book. <laughs> I didn't publish that book. Oh,
1: God. That's canon, baby. This is why I've I've decided that a lot of War of the Spark, <laughs> Ravnica, and all of Forsaken just didn't happen because things like that. Um, God. Anyways, yeah. So Liliana puts this kid in, in their place because she she doesn't need to be talked down to by a child or she calls uh, a punk with excessive hair. His hair was not
0: great. Ngl. No, there's a lot of it. As someone who has great hair, uh, his hair was not great
1: yeah um so Liliana puts the kid in their place and and it's uh it's a it's a good learning who Liliana is moment Um, well no because
0: it establishes uh how she exists in Strixhaven uh and also establishes her backstory for people who are you know who have only read the comic or like don't know Liliana's whole history
1: yeah um And then, uh, after that scene, Liliana is back in her office and Dean Kian from, from the, uh, school, yeah, shows up and is just like chatting with Liliana like friends. And the thing about this scene that I thought was particularly interesting is that Liliana straight up says, uh, um, let me, let me find the exact line here. Uh, sometimes I worry I'm not stopping the next Nicol Bolas so much as teaching him basic necromancy. And Kian says, an occupational hazard for sure. Honestly, you just have to trust your conscience on that one. And I thought it was interesting because that implies that Kian knows Nicol Bolas?
0: Yeah, the the Elder Spell Parable is a tome that is in the Biblioplex. We saw that in the Mystical Archives in the Strixhaven set. Uh, It is, uh, I believe it has a flavor, uh, the... um, D-Spark has a flavor text from uh, um, God. I forget everyone's name in the sets that I work on. Uh, Killian, Killian read the Elder Spell Parable in the Fall of Nickelbolas, and is like, "Yeah, I wish mean dudes would get what's coming to them." Thinking about his dad,
1: uh, yeah, I just, I guess, I just kind of like it didn't really cross my mind to think that like the professors of Strixhaven would would know about Nicol Bolas and, like, everything that happened and would potentially know Liliana's role in all of that?
0: Uh, so it's like...
1: How much do you really know about an event
0: that was recorded secondhand by a historian, right? Like, obviously history and anthropology and sociology and all these fields try to record things accurately... But it's still a construction with an angle, and so there's the truth of the event, and then there's the history of it that gets recorded, and the history of it that gets recorded, uh, and all of the academic spin-offs and skin tags narratively uh, that come with it are in the biblioplex, which is which is what Keon is. Like Keon seems like very nonchalant about oh, yes, yes, stop the next bolus, and it's very academic, problems-aren't-real type thing, and, uh, Lordy, if that isn't a scathing depiction of what academia in America is
1: like, ah. Well, before before we derail ourselves too much, uh, lamenting the state of American academia, um, they get interrupted just like I'm interrupting you with Cal uh, with a Kaya and Rao showing up. And this is where we get the scene that we never got in the original boom run where uh, Kaya and Rao go to Liliana and they tell her what's going on. Um, They step in and they say, Hey, uh, there's, you know, Merit Lage is coming, homing in on Jace and we need to stop her and we have a plan. And uh, Liliana just kind of immediately accepts it. And she says, yeah, no, I'm in. And it kind of confuses Raoul and Kaya. But the real reason is that, and this is, I believe in uh, master of metal. Tezzeret came to Strixhaven to research Merit Lage and Liliana stopped him. She knew that Tezzeret was interested in this. And she knows that Tezzeret, the skin tag of all tyrants does not deserve any knowledge about Merit Lage. She knows he's up to no good. And so she immediately agrees to help them. I think also because she's agreeing to help these people who she really, really hurt at one point in time. And she does still have some feelings of needing to make amends for that. But that's not really explored in the comics so much.
0: We sure did make skin tags the recurring (laughs) motif of this episode,
1: huh? It's better than the recurring discussion today on the Discord about the, the toilet habits of planeswalkers. Um, I don't think we should cover that necessarily. Yeah. So uh it is it is interesting because um as another note, we have diverged a lot. At this point, it's very clear that the continuity has diverged. So we know of Liliana in the Canon universe, uh, that she kind of went to Strixhaven and was hiding away. We know that Kaya knew about her being alive after Forsaken a book which I do not consider canon, but I understand I have to. Um, We didn't know necessarily if Kaya knew that Liliana was on Strixhaven. Mm -hmm. So it is sort of raising the question of how does Kaya know that Liliana is here?
0: Uh, Um, In Boom Studios Comics
1: canon, she knew where Liliana went. mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the point I was just about to make is that we have diverged from canon. This is the official moment where it's like, this is not something that could have happened when Kaya and, and Rao show up, like everything up to this point in the comic could have existed in the main canon of Magic story, and at this point we are at the divergence point. Um, so that also means that the story of Strixhaven, as we know it, has not occurred. It may not ever occur in the Boom universe. It's a mystery.
0: So we're at hours later after our costume change, yeah, as, as our next line in our agenda here. Uh, she sure <laughs> does change all the way back into her normal Liliana outfit to when she gets sucked into the Cat plan, huh? Uh, yeah, I thought that was so
1: funny, and I was like, I believed it. I was like, I believe Liliana went and said, I'll be right there. Let me okay, change. Okay, no, okay, but she would have... I'm sorry, but... She is
0: a goth queen and is never going to say, I'll be right there, because she wears thigh-high leather boots that lace up. And this is, like, fantasy aesthetic. She don't got to zip up the side like we do now. Like, yeah, I I have knee-high stompy goth boots with a lot of buckles and, and shit, but, like, I just zip them up. It's fine. She has to lace those up. And tighten the laces and do, like, the whole... Well, she doesn't have to, like, relace them, but she has to, like, loosen and tighten... It's a pain in the ass. The point is, it took her forever to get ready.
1: Um, technically, we don't know if she wasn't wearing the the (laughs) thigh-high leather boots under her normal professor outfit. That just seems
0: excess... Oh, but dramatic goth bitch is, like, my vibe, and it could be hers, too. Hmm. I guess alternatively, do you think... Do you think, like characters in Magic the Gathering just have, like, a, um... God, I don't know, just, like, a, like, a outfit montage spell where they just, like, snap their fingers and are wearing different clothes and you just, like, you just preload, you know, like like you can in, like, Animal Crossing or something. You just, like, preload outfits and then swap whole outfits.
1: I'm convinced that they have to because it's the only way to explain how they just, like, suddenly have appropriate clothing for whatever plane they're on. You know, like, Jace shows up on Innistrad and suddenly is wearing, like, a trench coat. Kaya shows up on Kaldheim. He's got a good coat! Yeah, it's I, I think that they they have to have some sort of, like, magical clothing spell that they all just kind of learn eventually. Maybe that's part of the spark. It's not part of the spark. Anyways, Liliana changes into her, like, classic outfit um, that we see her wearing in the boom comics and then we get the events of issue number 10 right Um, I guess 9 and 10 mm-hmm. uh, when she's like connecting with all the zombies in the desert on Amonkhet to get them to worship Merit Lage but we get her point of view and so we're getting like her emotional and like psychic moments and she's connecting with all these zombies and explaining that like They want to worship something. They are lonely. They'll do anything to feel connection. And so that includes worshiping. And for a moment, her mind connects with all the dead and she, but also like all of the victims of Merit Lage is something she puts, she, she specifies. So it's not just the zombies on Amonkhet. She's connecting with something larger than that. Some sort of like souls that have been caught up in Merit Lage's web. And in that moment, she has a vision of someone confronting Merritt Lage in the ice. And they say, uh, th- this like vision person is shouting, I won't lose to a monster like you. I will never surrender. And then she like, you know, finishes everything. And then Jace dies and yada, yada, yada. Spoiler for issue 10.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I, by the way, I'm happy we have finally reached the point in the Boom Studios comics where we start getting editor notes in the comics to refer to other issues. It's great. It's a standard comic book convention, and and good job, Magic. You've lasted long enough to be part of that. Um, Yeah, uh, and and so that whole battle goes down the way it goes down in the main series comic, and uh, she has a really good line at the end here. Uh, Well, we're we're towards the end. Uh, Towards the end of this section, I guess. There are some necromancers scared of death. Some would claim I am, too. Maybe I was once, but I've lived long enough to know everything dies. Even planeswalkers. The only ones to mourn are those who cannot choose their end. And there's a picture of Vraska and Jace kissing, and that's not
1: okay. God, that was so, like, kick-in-the-gut moment. Of looking at Rao or looking at Jace and Vraska kissing as Liliana is remarking on who gets to choose the way they die. And that's the moment when Vraska doesn't get to choose that and it's taken away from her. Uh, And it's just, God, yeah. Vraska doesn't like.
0: Oh, wait, yeah, that's right, that moment does get taken away from her. Oh, I thought you yeah. were talking about Jace for a second. I'm like, Braska doesn't get no. to decide when Jace dies. Yeah, no, the the thing is, uh, like, she's not going to mourn Jace because Jace chose his moment, and she respects that. Um, and then, yeah, Braska got whisked away by Kaya, and that is, uh, well, that's their little beef.
1: And by little yeah. beef,
0: I mean, like, they're not friends anymore because of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, she says earlier in this reminiscing moment, she says Jace, Jace Bellerin dies, and he takes a friendship with him. And what he mean, what she means there is, I think there's like a double meaning. Mm-hmm. Jace Bellerin takes his friendship with Liliana, whatever was there with him mm-hmm. when he dies, but also he took the friendship between Kaya, Raúl, and Vraska with him mm-hmm. too. Like, yep, that's there's a little double meaning there.
0: It's a very good. There are a lot of moments in this comic where a single line says a hell of a lot. And um, Margaret did a stellar job writing this comic, I think.
1: Yeah. Well, let's finish the plot and then we'll get yeah. our final thoughts on the comic. Um, because the she has this like flashback moment. And we see her thinking about what happened on Amonkhet, uh, And she walks into her office. And Tezzeret is there. Because like, of course he is. Um, and she goes to, like, attack him, but he throws this demir device at her, and we get to, like, see that, like, cool comic book moment where, like, you see the device flying out and, like, unfurling in, like, three different frames, and you get, like, a good look at the demir symbol on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it captures her, uh, and we get a good shing and then chunk moment in the, yeah, I just, I love those moments about comics. That's one of the things I love about comics is you get, like, the sound effects and, anyways. Onomatopoeia. Um, And she's- Yeah, Uh, she gets stuck to the wall and Tezzeret is coming to take something from her and he wants a memory. And so he starts using this this device to try and take memories out of Liliana. And she's trying to figure out what memory does he want? Is he looking for a memory of Jace's final moments or is it something about Merit Lage? And then she remembers she gets that vision for just a brief second Of that voice shouting out, no, I won't lose to a monster like you. And she knows that's the memory. And at that moment, she's like, I have to stop him. Uh, We also get cut into here a scene of Dina, who is outside the office door, like, trying to get in. Like, are you okay, Professor? I'm here. I'm your student from Basic Necromancy, the one who, you know, thinks you're really cool. I think Dina's really cool. I do, too. I love Dina. Um, She had, like, my favorite, one of my favorite side stories from... From Strixhaven. um i'm loving that we get more dina i hope dina continues throughout the series but um liliana does something very cool uh she some she like resurrects a bunch of dead pests the witherbloom mascots that she has in her office and they all like descend upon tezzeret um and and someone uh zach and and i think it was our discord made this joke that uh Liliana dealt enough damage to Tezzeret for state-based actions to remove him from play because, uh, all of the pests come down and start biting on him and he has to like planes walk out. Um, as he does, Liliana gets free. Dina comes into the room and Dina's like, Oh my God, are you okay? What happened? And Liliana says, uh, it's fine. There was just a thief here. Uh, and, uh, we're going to figure out what he wants. Uh, And that's where the the ending of the episode or the the comic is. It ends with a look at this sort of device that Liliana had pressed against her to steal her memories. And you can see sort of the reflection of that, that moment in ice where the person is shouting at Merritt Lage. So uh, that might be our hidden planeswalker. Yeah.
0: So I've thought a lot about uh, what the title of this miniseries refers to. Uh, does the Hidden Planeswalker refer to Liliana, who was hiding out on Strixhaven? Does it refer to Tezzeret, who hides from the light in every corner of the multiverse, sticking to the shadows to weave his schemes? Does it refer to this character who opposed Lage? We don't know yet. And maybe it means all of them. I don't know. Uh, by the way, we don't even know that the character shouting at Merrill Age in the memory is even a planeswalker. Uh, but you know, this is this is the mystery that's been established: is what is this memory? What does Tezzeret want with it? What are his plan? Well, what like what was his whole thing with Marilage? And so uh, I like that we're gonna get to explore that because we are kind of tangential to where the main series is going. Um, while noodling around with some side story stuff that is going to expand some character motivations.
1: Yeah, you, you don't have to have read any more of the main series than past issue 10 to really know what's going on in this this uh, side story mm-hmm. sort of that's you know happening. Just as an important note, like issues 11, 12 and 13 that we have already read of the, the main Boom Studios arc. Uh, they're not really involved in this at all. Um, so if you haven't read those yet, and we haven't talked about them on the podcast yet, uh, you don't have to. Uh, the Hidden Planeswalker is not intersecting with those. But I do think uh, the Master of Metal one-shot one little thing that we got uh, does sort of elucidate a little bit that whatever Tezzeret is up to is bigger than Merritt Lage and bigger than Jace Bellerin and... There's something going on here. And I'm wondering if this is what his final goal was. Some sort of knowledge that Liliana got from Merit Lage was what he was hoping to get.
0: Yeah, I'm curious too, because it would like, I don't know, maybe. Because like, the big upshot of his, his of um, the Master of Metal comic was that Tezzeret wanted to protect Jace from the cult of Merit Lage. But, like, I don't, I don't know, like, he couldn't have predicted the plan to stop Marilage, right? So, like, what was his, what was his goal here? Unless it was, like, like, he maybe could have been, like, oh, if I protect Jace, he'll help out Raska and Ral and Kaya, and he'll look inside Marilage's brain, because that's what Jaces do. And then uh, I can extract that information from him later. And then, you know, the plan goes the way the plan goes instead. And he's like, well, actually, I'm tracking Liliana now, I guess.
1: I, I think that's what it was. I, I'm i wondering if maybe Tezzeret wanted something from Merit Lage that he knew he could get if Jace was connected to her and he could pull that out of Jace. But then mm-hmm. Jace died. And like, who are you going to go to next? But the necromancer who was hanging out around Jace right when he died. Like, if anyone's going to know what was going on with Jace at that point, uh probably the necromancer, right? Um, You know, or who knows what, you know, Tezzeret knows that we don't know. Because the man is just a miserable pile of secrets. Uh, he's, God, he's a mess. But, uh yeah, I... I love the mystery here, and the fact that we really don't know what the title refers to, and if it maybe refers to multiple things. Because the Hidden Planeswalker could be both Liliana and this mysterious figure in the ice, and Deseret. Who knows? Could be all three of them. They're all hiding something.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> so... Uh very unique things uh in in where my life is different than everybody else's god it's really nice to be reading a uh compelling magic the gathering narrative that i don't know anything about <laughs> as someone who uh is already aware of many plans through next year uh for the card set canon um it's nice to have like a mystery where i don't already know the answer
1: um yeah Overall thoughts on this this issue is that uh, holy crap! The writing for Liliana feels so correct. You know, like it just feels like Liliana's voice. It feels spot on for that character, and I really, really love that.
0: I yeah, I love writing Liliana. Um, Especially, how do I want to word this? Uh, Like. Liliana, post-War of the Spark. It's not, like... We talk about redemption arcs, right? It's not like all of a sudden Liliana is good now. It's... Liliana is still selfish and kind of mean, um, but clever and paranoid as always, and is trying to do some good, which is largely directed by her own pettiness and grudges. Uh, but like it's like the moral compass doesn't just suddenly start pointing in another direction. you get nudges of how you a character interacts with like certain situations. Uh, and, and so there's a lot of nuance in what a Liliana who is trying to look better, but is still the Liliana we know and love looks like. And this comic nails it so, so good in such little space. Also, I'm a big fan of her interior, uh, internal monologue getting to be in purple. I, I want to think in purple.
1: I, uh, I think that the idea of Liliana now is not that she is good, but that she now has the capacity to act for good in a way that she didn't really before.
0: Yeah, Um, uh, like The the
1: option was there, but it was always her motivation and her reasoning for doing things was always sort of trending towards selfish purposes. Um, And now post-War of the Spark, we can get a Liliana who does things for good. Maybe not as a good person, maybe not entirely as like, an agent of good. Like she's not become uh, a Gideon, but she is now acting in a way that goes more towards that direction.
0: So there's like decidedly hero space and decidedly anti hero space. And when she joins the gatewatch, she's decidedly anti hero. She is, she is fighting Emrakul and, you know, does stuff on Kaladesh and Amonkhet and Amonaria strictly to use the gatewatch to help kill her demons. Um, But, and it's not like she's suddenly this big-time hero and is doing things selfish. Self, yeah, selfless. Really rude of selfish and selfless to sound so similar. Uh, she's not doing things selflessly. Uh, she's in a middle ground still towards the anti-hero side, but, like, she's complicated. It's good. I like
1: her. Yeah, and I think, uh, Mayor Greed, uh, did a incredible job with writing the the full getting the voice correct for Liliana getting that internal monologue to sound like Liliana's thinking um it sounds very it sounds like the character we know and love but like we've gotten that before in magic fiction but in comic book form it's it's different it feels way more internal like we are inside Liliana's head and I like that a lot
0: Well, this comic is also like the most we spent directly inside Liliana's head you know, in a while she doesn't Mm -hmm. do a whole lot in the Strixhaven story. Um, but, but this comic gets to be like her entire worldview all about her. Um, and, and that's always great to see. Also, she's so pretty in this comic. This comic again
1: was beautifully illustrated. I've, I've just been. So the, the regular run of boom comics, the, the main series is written by Jed McKay and illustrated by pig Guara. Um, and they do a fantastic job. I love those comics. I think they're beautiful. I think they, they're they great. The artist for the illustrator for the Hidden Plains Walker series is Fabiana Mascolo, who is just incredible. Like, I'm not saying this as like, oh, you know, Fabiana is better than Ig. That's not true. I'm saying that what Fabiana is doing here is absolutely amazing. Dina has a pout. Pal- In, in the opening sequence,
0: there is, there's a shot of, uh, a shot. See, I'm still a film person at heart. A panel, uh, where the, the punk with bad hair, uh, is mouthing off and Dina just has like the most exasperated pal. It's so perfect.
1: Yeah. The, the thing that I think Fabiana has done so incredibly in this is like captured, uh, background character, like people in the background look Perfect. Even when they're just like really, really simplistic, like far off drawings are really funny. Uh, there's a moment where I think it's like when Dina bursts into the room behind Liliana. There's like a very simple drawing of Dina, but the expression is just so good. Um, it's just really cute. It's just very well done. I, I think Dina is really the the receptor here of some of the best artwork. Um, but maybe that's because I like Dina so much. But it's, uh,
0: yeah. It's not that like... It's not that like IDW is a fake comic company or are, you know, the Armada line was fake comics or, but like, it just feels really good to have a nice, like, really high quality ongoing magic comic series, you know? Um, and maybe this is just after like so much of the start and stop of the, uh, Dark fading comics and the god nightmare that the Chandra comic was uh, when IDW got it back, um, and like you know the the, the web <laughs> comics were neat, um, but also were like were done in house as just like a way to express medium from an in house way, uh, and uh, I just like what Boom Studios and Wizards of the Coast are doing together. I I, I enjoy these comics a lot.
1: Yeah, they're. They're incredible. They feel incredibly high quality, um, not just in like the art and writing, but also like the coloration on these. So the coloring for uh, hidden Planeswalker Walker was done by, uh, Francesco Sagala with help by Gloria Martinelli. Um, and the colors in this issue are just out of this world. Beautiful. Like it, it genuinely, every piece of this comic looks like it was masterfully made. Um, And that's been true for all of the Boom Studios comics, but like this one, it just really stands out at points because of such, like, so much of the, like, color saturation that we're getting. Um, like Dina is this, like, bright green character. Uh, Liliana has all of that purple to her. There's, like, the pests who are super purple. It's just, there's so much beautiful color in this issue. Um, and then, like, the stark blue that comes from the Merit Lage scenes. I'm just kind of, you know, overwhelmed by it at times uh, there's also a great shot of uh ral and kaya walking in to liliana's office where they just look incredible and i just it's got like very much like big step on me moment <laughs> energy but that's maybe just me i like kaya and ral a lot for reasons Hmm.
0: um but i think we are gonna start wrapping up here um yeah i think
1: that's a good place to wrap
0: <laughs> we're at the point where we're just kind of going in circles gushing about the comic which honestly happens every time we talk about one of the boom studios comics <laughs> um because they're really good uh again uh hidden planeswalker number one out now uh we are a couple weeks uh two weeks away from uh, magic number 14 uh st- starring uh chandra garrick and Nico. As they, as they go on misadventures through the multiverse in the second arc of the main comics. And so uh, if you want to read these comics, you can talk to a local comic shop. And if uh, they don't have them, uh, you can always ask them to order them for you. Or if you want to read them digitally, they're available on Kindle. Um, although uh, I hate the Kindle desktop app the The Kindle Comics reader is just so much worse than the old Comicsology one. I am very disappointed that Amazon like officially folded Comixology's stuff into the Amazon website and Amazon products. It's just worse. But uh,
1: I read them on my phone. They are perf- they show up great on your yeah.
0: App- uh, I've I've heard the same thing that the Kindle app uh, the the mobile app uh, is much better for reading the comic, but um. Yeah, so uh, the comics are pretty accessible. They're what, like four dollars, five dollars?
1: I don't know. Yeah, they're like four bucks. You can. Um, there's also like variant covers mm-hmm. too. So like, if you want a specific cover, you can probably ask your local comic shop to pick it up for you, or you can like find it online and order it from a comic shop. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that if there's like a cover I really want, and also like. I'm going to say, like, yes, you if you want to read them on your phone, get them digitally. If that's the only way you can, you should do that. Uh, but I really encourage you to go to a local comic shop and pick up the copies. Um, they are great physical comic books. And also, it'll let your comic book shop know that, hey, this is a comic you should support.
0: Also, physical media is really cool. And it doesn't go away when companies collapse and stop supporting digital platforms.
1: Yeah. And uh, we we talk a lot about the comics on our Discord server too. So if you're looking for a place to to talk about them, that's an option. That's a that's a segue. I was to say, I thought we were going to do final thoughts first. <laughs> oh oh yeah, let's do final <laughs> thoughts. Okay, I you know I just my, all of my thoughts are about the comic right now.
0: Well so, okay um, so okay my final thought uh, also still about comics. I've been uh, going back and reading the original run of Booster Gold from 1986 to 88. Uh, it's, uh, I think, uh, 25 issues. Uh, and, um, about... 10, issues in? I don't remember. Superman shown up and got in a fight with Booster because Booster's a menace, and, uh, taught Booster a lesson about being a hero and not just going gung-ho and, uh, starting a revolution against a government that one guy said was corrupt, and, uh... That's great. I love Booster a lot. Uh, dude's a mess. Um, comics. the The Booster Gold comics have been really fun. It's been weird because like DC has for DC for some reason is like like won't touch Green Lantern, one of the biggest characters with a ten foot pole anymore. But will like throw all kinds of esoteric characters into things. So if, for anyone who watched the Suicide Squad, the uh, the, the recent one that is actually good. Uh, IMO, one of the best superhero movies that's been made. It's great. Um, but uh, one of the characters at the very beginning of the film is Blackguard. Uh, who is a DC villain. And uh, whose first appearance is Booster Gold number one. So, like, out of nowhere, I've just, like, now read the comics that have this character who shows up in the Suicide Squad movie for, like, ten minutes. Uh... And the current point I'm at also has Chameleon Boy, who has shown up in uh, spoilers for season four of Young Justice in season four of Young Justice. Um, And so like, out of nowhere, I'm just surrounded by Chameleon Boy and comics are weird that way. Uh, But I'm having a good time.
1: I, uh, you know, my final thought is also going to be about comics since we're since we're doing a theme, uh, because I love the Young Avengers and recently (laughs) Uh, bought a collection of all of the Kieran Gillen Young Avengers comics, which I thought I hadn't read and realized as I was reading them that I had read them. Um, So got to read those again. Uh, They're excellent. They're absolutely incredible. You should read those. You don't really need to read a lot of other comics to understand what's going on. Um, Just like read a Wikipedia page or something. Uh, But actual final thought also published by boom comics is a comic called fence which is about fencers like you know the the like sport where you like stab at people with little tiny swords um that is actually really good i read volume 1 and really loved it and immediately ordered volumes 2 and 3 uh so if you're looking for like sports comics but kind of gay you should read fence it's like a little more than kind of but you know we'll we'll get there so thank you, Boom Studios, for releasing a bunch of very good comics. God, I th- I believe Boom is also currently doing the Godzilla versus Power
0: Rangers comic, so <laughs> uh, there's a lot of fun stuff. Uh, but anyway, yeah, to pick up that segue you threw me a couple of minutes ago, uh, if you uh, would like or i guess if you are enjoying the comics or would like to enjoy the comics and would like uh, more folks to talk about these wonderful comics with uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash the and uh, support us today and wow how does that help you find people to talk about the comics with Great question, random person who just popped in that sounded a lot like me. Uh, Because everyone who supports us on Patreon gets access to our Discord community where Vorthlesses from around the world love these comics just as much as we do and are having a good time talking about them and thinking about what the future means with this mysterious narrative uh, we've set up in this comic. And uh, we're all excited for Magic number 14, uh, we're all starting our uh, experiences getting uh, Nuka Penna in our hands, so it's a, it's a good time and a wonderful community, and we would love to have you be a part of that. Uh, and then that's going to be all for tonight, so thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.